Was A Quiet Place inspired by signs it comes at night in War for the Planet of the Apes? Was Ready Player One influenced by Avatar, Wreck-It Ralph, and The Last Starfighter? Is a hurricane heist more influenced by Sharknado or Geostorm? These are the kinds of questions my guest co-hosts and I discuss on my podcast, Piecing It Together. Every week, we look at a new movie and try to figure out what other movies inspired it, whether it's the story, the character development, tone, or even use of music. Every movie was influenced by something that came before, and we want to figure out what. Check out Piecing It Together on your favorite podcast app or check us out on piecingpod.com. You can also follow us on social media at piecingpod. Piecing It Together is a part of the All Points West Podcast Network. Hi, this is James Joachim, host of Webcomics Reviews and Interviews. Today we're sitting down with Perry Edwards of Cold Blooded. So sit back, relax, and let the Geek Fest begin. Hey, I'm Perry Edwards, a mangaka in the making, making my very own ongoing battle manga, Cold Blooded, that is now live on Kickstarter. Uh, Cold Blooded is, a, like I said before, an ongoing battle manga. Uh, this is basically what it's about. A teenager holding out hope after his father's disappearance five years ago, uh, Rem Snart discovers latent reptilian abilities brought out by a shadowy figure determined to end his life. And so imagine uh, Aaron Yeager, but instead of turning into a titan, he turns into a seven-foot-tall lizard man, <laughs> lizard monster. You know, instead of Goku powering up and going Super Saiyan, it's a lizard monster that's his power-up. And so uh, he discovers this ability and takes off from there. Cool. What kind of fun did you have? Why did you go with that particular type of character, basically a teenager shifting into a reptile? Well, so the genre is uh, shonen. And so shonen is almost always, like, it pretty much always is a young uh, teen boy, uh, male protagonist. Because Shonen, the boy, is kind of the demographic that it's targeted at. And uh, as for that power, it's a character that I thought of uh, during middle school. When I drew the design, I really liked it. And I liked the idea of having this, uh, he's a hero, but it's, he's kind of monstrous. And not quite what you would expect of uh, from a hero. Right. Because it is, it is something you got from middle school. Is there any way you – just feels like it's sort of linked to the standard puberty a kid, a boy would go through at about that age. Oh, uh, I, I don't know if it had anything to do with what I was going through at the time. But, I mean, I, I thought of a bunch of characters, and I still have the sketchbooks. And when I when I get to those characters again, I'll go back to the sketchbook, and uh, some of them I'll probably have to redesign a little bit. And uh, I don't know. That's when I just uh, was very imaginative. And I was thinking of things because uh, I would I would draw. I'd bring a sketchbook around. I would draw people. I draw from life, but then I'd also draw my own characters as well. And I don't know. I might be more hard pressed to think of things now. Well, yeah, yeah, you definitely have different type of characters you make as you get older. It's just different experiences, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So it'd be sort of interesting to see what kind of characters you'd come up now that compared to when you were in teen, you know, as a teenager. Hey, well, I do, I do still uh, think of characters. I don't always draw them, but I'll draw them when I get ready to draw them. Right. So why the heavy uh, Japanese influence? Um, I don't know if I would call it heavy, uh, but it's, I mean, I like manga. That's like 
my go-to. That's that's what I read the most. And uh, some ways I like manga a lot more over American comics, uh, just art-wise and storytelling-wise. Uh, American comics tend to have too much uh, text and dialogue, in my opinion. And uh, when I'm reading American comics, more often than not, they feel more like I'm looking at a slideshow or uh, snapshots, right, of a story, like a like a, a uh, what what is it called with a Windows Movie Maker, a slide. Uh, slideshow, yeah, it feels more like a slideshow, like I'm viewing someone who took photographs of a story and put it in a comic. Whereas a manga, it's like something fast happens and there's like a motion blur, and it's like uh, you don't really see that American comics. And a lot of American comics, I, I see them try to do like speed lines and stuff, but I, I don't really like how they they implement them <laughs> more often than not. Okay. Yeah, I'm just noticing you're using a lot of Japanese terminology for comics and examples rather than using the American version. For example, if we were doing this, if you're doing this more American, you'd be using more of a Hulk thing than you would be using, say, Goku or Eren. Right. You know, because that's the audience that uh, I want to target. Um, that would be my ideal reader marketing term. Um, you know, because like I, li- I like uh, I like the Marvel movies and uh, some of the DC movies, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't read a whole lot of American comics. I read some Batman, and uh, I've been reading the original Spider-Man, the, the Amazing Spider-Man on Comicsology, and so uh, I'm just gonna read that up to whenever it ends, and I really enjoy those. So I guess the obvious question is, who do you read as far as the manga goes? Right now, I read Dr. Stone, and uh, I started Samurai 8 by Masashi Kishimoto, but I haven't picked it back up. But yeah, my, my go-tos is Dr. Stone, The Promised Neverland. Uh, uh, what's that? Well, My Hero Academia, how did I forget that? Uh, the... the I, I started reading uh, Beastars of all things, all things, uh, but I actually like it, and uh, I haven't. I'm a little bit behind on it, and I read One Punch Man. Yeah, that's a big favorite of mine. That uh, I read, I read the, I read, uh, read all the web comic, and I caught up on it, and I've caught up with the manga as well. And uh, I hope they do season three justice, because season two was not good. <laughs> Sort of waiting for season two of uh, Promised Neverland and uh, Doctor Stone at this point. So, yeah, and I, I did. I like I read all of Promised Neverland before the uh, anime came out, or before I watched the anime, and then uh, I watched the season. And uh, I'm caught up on Doctor Stone, but I haven't even seen all of season one. Yeah, they just wrapped up the first season on uh, Adult Swim just to. Just last uh, Saturday. Oh, nice. With, of course, the obligatory Season 2 confirmed. Oh, wow. So. That's great. Uh, Just out of curiosity, how much difference is there between the anime and the manga versions of Dr. Stone? Uh, well, let's see. Well... 
I made it about halfway through, and uh, so far there's not that much difference. Um, there's one difference in Promised Neverland that I noticed that uh, I kind of wish they hadn't gone that route. Is is very minor minor things like when they talk about uh, him, the I don't know what to call him. It, like because in the manga and Promised Neverland, when the demons mention him, it's like uh, some like made up like demon language, so you don't even know how it sounds or what it's supposed to sound like. And like I don't know if this is a subtitle thing, if if maybe they did do it in the sub, but then the subtitles like oh well, we don't know what to do for this. It just said they just called him him, and I'm like, oh, that's so like. <laughs> want him have have that like Cthulhu sounding name like. To me, that's a lot more uh, threatening. Right. So it comes down to what kind of anime do you tend, or sorry, what kind of manga do you usually tend to read when you're trying to get inspired to actually write? Honestly, every manga I read. Uh, inspires me more or less and i don't necessarily have to read to get inspired but whenever i read or watch something uh, i get into it i i feel really inspired uh you know i watch uh one piece weekly and then you know i i watch one piece gets me fired up you know i was remember watching part five of jojo's bizarre adventures it gets me fired up it's like you know, battle manga shonen gets me fired up in general because it's always the protagonist on this journey where they get they continually get stronger or they better themselves. So there's like this theme of self improvement, and I like to think of myself as like a shonen protagonist in my own life, always like getting better, uh, working harder, uh, and you know, till I reach that that moment. Where I reap the rewards of my hard work. Right. What else have you done? Be- and just out of curiosity, why the uh, name change? Yeah, so I named it originally uh, Transformer because I, I thought, well, he transforms and transformation is like a trope a lot of heroes do in manga. So I'll just call it that. And I knew it's only one letter away from Transformers. And, uh, so I, I thought I had to have a name from the get go and I've watched videos since then from creators and they say that, uh, you know, I watched a video by Wyatt Manga on YouTube and he said that you don't have to have a name from the get go and that he would recommend, you know, writing a few chapters before deciding on a name. And I totally did not do that. I thought I had to have the name from the get-go and I didn't deliberate on it very long. And that's, that's a problem. I just kind of settled on it and I have a, I do have a difficulty uh, coming up with names. And, uh, so I, I thought I, I, and I wanted to print them. That's another reason why I came up with the name. And so I printed them. I took them to cons and stuff. And I had, you know, fears and doubts about the name. Cause it's like, I don't know if that's really a good name. And so I enrolled in the comics launch course to learn how to use Kickstarter and market myself and all that good stuff. And there was at some point where uh, Tyler James, there is a comics launcher to, you know, pitch my log line or my sales pitch three different ways. And so I pitched it three different ways on Twitter and I tagged Tyler James in it. 
and uh, you know, he used his Twitter a lot and he responded and he ended up DMing me. Um, but before that, you know, he replied and he gave me a really good uh, log line, which is the log line that I said at the beginning of the show that I'm, I'm quite proud of. That wasn't the log line that or sales pitch I had come up with at cons. And so, and he said that the name Transformer remind him of a certain robots in disguise. And then he DM'd me after that. And uh, he said that it might create a ceiling of how popular it gets because it might confuse people. And, uh, you know, I even remember it, uh, it doesn't help that on my first issue, there's a robot on the cover. It says Transformer. And I remember, uh, you know, at cons, when people read the name, even though it doesn't have an S, they might still say Transformers. Or uh, there's a, I'm a, some, I overheard some kid from across the aisle at a con. He said, uh, Lizard Man is my favorite Transformer, <laughs> judging by my, my issue three cover. So it's like, you know, thinking back to that, I need to change it. And uh, so coming up with another name, that that's a whole challenge in of itself. And so I took to the uh, private Facebook group and comics launch and some other uh, areas in social media. And I, I asked for feedback on an alternative name and someone said cold blooded. And that really resonated with me. And, and so uh, after weighing my options a bit more, I went with cold blooded. I got together with my graphic designer friend, uh, Sergio Gallegos. He's really good. If you need him for logos. And, uh, I worked with him to make this logo. And, and, uh, after about you know, five days or so, I think we finally had it. And, and, uh, you know, I went and I replaced the old logo with the new one. And it just felt like perfect. Like everything fell into place, felt so much more professional with the new name and this new logo. Cause before with the old, old logo, it was one that I made myself and I didn't even make it an illustrator. I just drew it. <laughs> it was a PNG and uh and this one like it felt like so finished and uh I can't wait to go to a con with a new name with some new books printed and uh I don't want the old names to just go to waste, which is why I've included them in one of my pledges uh, on the uh the new where you get the PDF plus three um uh, Three uh, of the variant covers of issues one through three, and so yeah, that that was my uh, my long-winded story on that on the name change. And uh, I really I just need to get ideas and and bounce feedback off of people, which I should have done from the beginning. I, instead of just having to figure out everything myself. Yeah, it all depends on the person's approach. Some people prefer to dive in and see what happens. In other words, in other words. Try to basically do all the studying beforehand. It all depends on what you feel comfortable with. Right. Well, I guess I, maybe I'm rushing things, but I, I try. I want to get things out there as fast as soon as I can, and because uh, I'm trying to build an audience, and I'm not trying to build it in like ten years. You know, I'm trying to like <laughs> get some going in like a year or two, tops. You know, uh, trying to accelerate that process. Uh, any particular reason why you chose a uh, reptile as the alternative form? Um, I think reptiles are cool, and I was like, 
I always like turtles. Uh, there are certain animals I just am fascinated with. And, uh, his, de- his design is kind of, is, uh, somewhat inspired by like Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, cause my character, he's like blue and green. And I think, I think when I was a kid, uh, I didn't really play Sonic games, but I watched like Sonic X, the anime. And, uh, I think I, you know, it may, it may have had some of me influencing the, come up with the idea for this character. Okay. I did a workshop at the Henderson County Library. I was very curious about that. Oh, uh, oh, is that okay? You wow, you found that. Oh, uh, was that was in uh the Comic Con at Texas Henderson County Library in Athens, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it ended up, it changed venues, so it didn't, it wasn't at the library, it was some other place. It ended up being, but they, they probably didn't change it on what you're looking at. Uh, yeah, I, I went to this con, and, uh, it was their first annual con, and, uh, I made a little PowerPoint, and, uh, I presented it to some people, and some cosplayers that showed up, but, uh, yeah, that, that it, it wasn't really, it didn't really go all that great, <laughs> to be honest. But, uh, and I don't know, uh, I have, uh, done a Q&A at another con, and that, that was more fun. That was, uh, I'd like to do more of that than, uh, a workshop. Alright, so because we tend to learn a little bit more from mistakes and we actually do doing it right sometimes, why do you say the workshop didn't go so well? Oh, cause like, so the way the venue was, they have like a balcony and, uh, you go up the stairs and that's where it would be at. And, uh, I just like had, I just brought my laptop with me and I was doing like the PowerPoint off my laptop. And th- this is like the first annual con and, and, uh, I think it was kind of like, I think people were kind of misled about what my workshop was about. And, uh, cause I just kind of talked about, uh, anime, manga in general and a little bit about my own manga. And I think, I think some of the cosplayers that came up, like they weren't, they didn't really care. They weren't really listening all that much. And cause it's like, it's not in a private room. It's in an open space, just on a balcony. So it's kind of like a lot of crowd. You can hear the crowd downstairs and there's a lot of noise. And so I kind of, I felt like I had to yell, but, <laughs> or speak, speak kind of loud, uh, just so they could hear me. And so it just, it wasn't like, like, it wasn't like a lot of people listening to me, plus they weren't really p- paying that much attention to begin with. So that's why I wasn't that great. Whereas, uh, the Q and A I did at this other con, it was like in a room and it was quiet and there was a few people, but at least like they were paying attention and, uh, is this a lot uh, better environment? Yeah, it sounds like the the one convention nobody was really focused in on the comics, and they were more focused on the cosplay, whereas the other one was more focused on what you were actually trying to say. Yeah. So, is there anything besides? I'd say, I'd say that. Go ahead. Anything besides what? Oh yeah, I mean, I would say that's about right. 
Uh, I was going to say that's about right. Okay. Have you done anything else besides cold-blooded? Yeah, I did. I made one other comic called uh, Undecided, and it's on Webtoons uh, under my name. And it was technically the second comic I made because I made uh, Cold-Blooded first, and then I, I made this other comic. And, and then I went back to making more cold-blooded. But when I made uh, this uh, comic, this manga, Undecided, because uh, I think I was intending to enter in a contest, so I did it from left to right instead of right to left. Wait, is that right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, But I don't think I made it in time, so <laughs> I, I didn't end up uh, entering it. But... I don't. I don't really like the art I made in it. I like the. I like the story I came up with and, and some of the panels. And but I didn't really like the art because I drew it digitally in what is it called? Uh, Medi uh, Medibang Paint Pro, I think. Uh, I made. I made it in there, and uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't like. It. I should have drawn it traditionally. <laughs> the art came out looking kind of wonky, but. I think that's when I started to find more of my style with that one. I started to nail, started uh, beginning and nailing down my style more. Yeah, you're definitely doing your manga thing as far as the art style goes. The a little bit simplistic, uh, lack of backgrounds, that sort of thing. Yeah, well, so like a lot of manga, they depending on the caliber of the manga artist too and the popularity of manga and how many assistants uh a, a, a lot of manga they they tend to strive to have photorealistic backgrounds and, and sometimes i wonder if they straight up like use photographs but it's so hard to tell and and uh i don't know how to do that i don't know how to draw that or let alone convert a photograph and i, and I don't know if my pride as an artist would, would want me to <laughs> allow myself to draw <laughs> Uh, or uh, just use a photograph straight up, but I don't know if if I can figure out how to do it, it saves me all the time. I might do it, but yeah, I do. I do think in manga they 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 do. Uh, you can get away with dropping out backgrounds more, and uh, because I'm doing it all myself, I think I have more of an out. <laughs> but I, I try to uh, include more backgrounds the the longer I work on it. Uh, just because like the setting is important, you know, the setting is almost a character itself, and so it needs to be represented. Uh, first off, just because I'm a nice guy, the obvious Photoshop tip of the day is to take the picture, convert it to black and white, and then go with the drawing type, but one of the drawing filters in Photoshop itself. Oh, really? Yeah, it's not it's not really all that hard to do when it comes down to it. It's just a couple of steps. All right. Now, the real question is if uh, that's what manga artists do, or if they just trace it. I, want, I wonder if they just trace photographs. But I don't know. If you if you using a photograph like that, it make more uh, like why won't you just turn it black and white and do that drawing filter? So, but I don't know. It might be too too draw, too drawing with my art because so like reading a Doctor Stone, it, sometimes. Uh, the art's really good, but sometimes it looks like they use a photograph or a photograph in conjunction, like 
like part of the background is drawn and part of it's photographed. And to me, it's like really jarring. And, uh, in other manga, I haven't really experienced this, but it, it, it kind of bothers me in Dr. Stone. Yes, with the, is what you call a bad mat drawing when it comes down to it. The background, of course, yeah. being the mat, and occasionally they'll throw in something that doesn't quite work, but they think it does. You see a lot in the old Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Oh. So, sometimes it works, usually not so much. Yeah, so, and when I think of, like, it's more like new... It's more like current manga artists to do that. But when I, I've read Dragon Ball and uh, most of Dragon Ball Z up to the Cell Saga, and, you know, Kira Toriyama, he doesn't, he draws all his backgrounds, uh, even if they're just deserts, you know, he draws them and he, you know, I don't see photographs. It seems like an older manga. I, I don't. So maybe I should just uh, steer clear of photographs altogether. Like you said, it's ultimately a, a style thing more than anything else. Some manga yeah. do it, some don't. Some actually do draw out the pictures. Some of them, there actually are a couple of techniques that will actually allow you to do a reasonably photographic variation or make it look actually photorealistic when it's really not. So, it's literally, it depends on the style and what the person is trying to convey. Plus, keep in mind that manga isn't exactly uh, something they're trying to take their time doing and do it right nine times out of ten. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they got a week to do uh, 15 or 20 pages, and, you know, they're trying to crap those out. <laughs> trying to get them out as fast as they can. So, and I have seen some variations where the one person will do, for example, will actually use an actual photograph, throw it through uh, the filter, and use that as basically a set piece to establish where everything is. And then the rest of it is pretty much just straight drawing. Just characters? <laughs> or, or, yeah, or drawing. Yeah, drawing backgrounds. Yeah. So it, sometimes they'll just, at least they'll just simply draw the backgrounds because it's a lot easier. But like you said, it all depends on the, the, the manga and the artist and what they're trying to convey. Um, yeah, I might have to try that sometimes. You know, it works out. So, sometimes there are some interesting ways to cheat on it, but you have to really know what you're doing to pull off the cheating, and I'm not sure how many, how much time they actually have to play around with cheats and that sort of thing, so. Right, they just, they just do it, and if it works, it works, if it doesn't, it doesn't. Well, I know a lot of times, uh, even when manga artists say rush art, and it comes out, all sloppy. They usually clean it up later for the Tanko Bond. Which I'm considering redrawing like a few pages from my chapter one um, you know, before I, I print the book or send out the PDF. So, yeah, definitely debate, but really debate not doing it. I you know it sounds sort of weird, but especially if you get all the really bad Art, at least the stuff that you consider the bad art in the first book and it gets better, you'll find actually uh -huh. the customers like it a little bit more. Oh, really? So so I should just leave it? <laughs> the idea is they like to see that the art, the artist progresses in terms of skill and, and talent as far as in terms of later books. So they, they like to see the progression is basically what I'm trying to say here. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, see, so I was thinking about that too. I was thinking, well, what if I left it and just leave it as it is? And it's like as a testament to how far I've come. Uh, and all I was thinking was maybe like there's certain like three or four pages I was thinking about redrawing. But, you know, now now, now you say that, it, it, it's now persuading me more the other way. And, and then it'd be less work too because then I don't have to do anything. <laughs> Right. Now, on the other hand, you had some really bad art in the later books. That would be an entirely different problem, but, you know. Oh, right. It's just straight up. The reader's going to be a little bit more lenient in the first issue or two, and after that, they're going to start wanting to see things tighten up a little bit. Well, that's nice to know. <laughs> so, at least that's the, you know, that's what a lot of webcomic artists would tell you. Huh. So... But then again, art's entirely different art than uh, writing is. Go figure. So, I guess the going back to an earlier question, or sort of, uh, what kind of themes are you trying to cover in Cold Blooded? Yes, the major theme in this would be death, and uh, how the main character deals with that, because there's a traumatic event that happens. And I want this first arc to kind of set the pres the precedent for the series. And this is, will play out, it will be kind of like his origin and how he, uh, this will shape his character and, uh, his convictions and it's what he'll come to be as. And, uh, and also just, um, like the right thing to do. Cool. You do know that the article, or sorry, the card of death in the tarot is actually represents change more than it does actual death, right? Is that, uh, no, I don't, I don't know. No, I'm telling you, that sort of adds a little bit to the concept you've got. Basically, you've got this character who's trying to deal with concepts of death and all that. Uh-huh. And like you said, part of uh, the death card in tarot, part of its meaning isn't so much a finality so much as it is a trans a transformation to a different state. Oh, cool. Just thought that's keyed, keyed in with your comic rather nicely in that regard. Yeah, that might, uh, that might work to my advantage. So, so besides obviously the obvious changing himself, what other kind of deaths does the character deal with? Um... I'm trying to think. Basically, how does he deal with the death problem? How he deals with it? Well, so, okay, so the end of this arc, he'll be coming down with it. Is It, it more gets uh, dealt with, it, you know, if, you know, with the, when there would be a second book. Well, so what happens is he'll, basically he blames himself for the death. You know, it's kind of like this guilt thing. You know, uh, where, you know, uh, say, you know, Peter Parker blames himself for Ben dying. And so he vows this thing. It's, it's kind of like that. It's like some characters die and then he, he blames himself because he couldn't stop it. Uh, although he did try and, and did everything he could. And so in that sense, you know, he shouldn't really feel all that guilty, but he does anyway. Be, uh, most of all because, uh, 
you know, a spoiler, he, uh, the bad guy gets away and he, and he doesn't kill him. He has a chance to kill him and he doesn't. And so he thinks, uh, well, if the, I ever have the chance again, I'm not, you know, I'm going to kill, you know, to save the life of another. That's where it's basically going with this first start. Okay. I presume it's some, hey, this is, of course, going to lead into the next book as far as some of the stuff he has to continually deal with. Yeah. And as far as the convictions goes, it's basically establishing the kind of convictions he's going to be dealing with in terms of not only just his life in general, but also his, what kind of convictions he's setting up for himself in life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly it. Okay. So, why did you decide to go with a Kickstarter rather than um, print-on-demand? Um... Well, Kickstarter is like an event, and it's a way to drive traffic and eyes to your project that you otherwise wouldn't get. Uh, whereas print-on-demand, there is no event. It's just uh, kind of there, and then you have to promote it and, and drive people to it. Uh, with Kickstarter, you know, you have a campaign, and it lasts so long, 30 days or whatever. and so. Just like a politician, you're campaigning, trying to get votes, right? But here, I'm trying to get people, trying to convince them to pledge for my project. And most people are either doors open or doors closed. And uh, maybe right when something opens, they'll go and pledge for it. Or right before doors close, they they go and uh, pledge or purchase it. And uh, it it, it kind of of forces a decision in a way because you can't afford to be indecisive with it because once Kickstarter is over, it's over. It's too late to to go back and do anything. You know, they might buy a book from me afterwards if it's successful, but it's too late to participate in the Kickstarter. And so I I like that uh, aspect of it. Yeah, I love specific numbers because specific goals are much easier to attain than more general ones. But why exactly eight hundred and thirty-one dollars? Uh, so that w- will cover the print costs, uh, packaging, and shipping. And uh, the way I calculate it is, if I printed a hundred books of the Tango Bond, uh, that would be the cost to uh, print it. And ship it, and and pack the package, and ship it. And I think I factored in also the cost of because uh, I'd have to print issues uh, five five through eight, and uh, I think I factored those in as well. And that's how I got that number. Okay. So basically, go through the various tiers real quick. All right. Um, there's the gecko. You pay seven. You pledge seven dollars, and you get the PDF of Cold Blood Volume One. And then t- at ten dollars, which I revealed when I reached thirty percent funded, you can get the PDF plus uh, three variant covers of issues one through three. And then uh, the next one is uh, the Horny Toad. And at $15, you can get the PDF with the variants and the physical book. And then at $29, the Gila Monster, I think. 
Uh, you can get all that plus a poster of your choice. And so there's a cover for each chapter. And so it would be the Oh no, my bad. I named I named that pledge Bearded Dragon. I just checked it. But yeah, you would uh it'd be a signed poster of your choice between the eight chapters. And then Komodo Dragon the biggest pledge is $79 and for that you get all that plus the eight single issues of Cobra Volume 1 and issues 1 through 4 the special edition with the old name and the old logo. And those are limited because I only have, you know, so many copies of those. So far, it looks like your Hornet is doing pretty well as far as you, the actual backers go. Yeah, that's good. You know, considering it's, considering it's the core pledge, you kind of want that to. You can't always control what your core pledge is. Your core pledge is like your most popular one, technically. But it's kind of like this: what the pinnacle of the Kickstarter is supposed to be is the book. So, right. And how are you basically throwing, uh, getting people into the campaign? What is your marketing plan? Uh, so I have a email list and, uh, I've been work priming my email list and sending them out. I've done Facebook ads and if anything, uh, I post on social media, uh, about it as well. Like I'll post art, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be related to my series, but usually like I'll get pages done. I'll post it. And I'll be like, there's link in bio to back. Um, and if anything, I can personally message people in my life, be like, Hey, you know, my Kickstarter's live. And, uh, that helps too. So basically, you're just doing a pretty much social media email campaign with the occasional Facebook ads. Yeah. Okay. Sounds cool. So far, it looks like you said, not a bad start. I mean, you're only about, what, two weeks in, about a week in? Yeah, it's, uh, today's like the eighth day, I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah, today would be the eighth day, so... That's good. 30, and you're already past the 30% mark, so that's not bad. Yeah, because uh, I, I reached 30% on, like, the third day. And uh, with uh, when you reach 30%, you have, like, an 80% chance of successfully funding. Cool. And an entirely different related note, how's the YouTube channel going? My YouTube channel's going alright, I guess. Uh, I got a like surge in subscribers, uh, this past year and I was able to monetize. I was making some money, uh, but it's just kind of weird because my audience was mostly people from other countries. And, and so, um, I don't know, like <laughs> the YouTube algorithm just recommended it to me. That's pretty much. Uh, made a whole bunch of videos where I was just drawing, um, um, models off a of Crookies Cafe YouTube channel that provides references for artists. And, uh, I've uploaded, uh, some different content since then, not, not as popular. Um, I noticed, like, since the whole Copa thing, some of my videos get, like, the limited ads. I don't know if that's because of that or not. 
and I'll just request a review and they'll say, oh, okay, well, this, this is uh, good for all advertisers or say, oh, this is a... Yeah, a lot of people are having the COPA problem. I mean, some sometimes they just can't figure out exactly how to difference between the all ages group versus a little bit older crowd. Right. I just mark uh, like not for kids because even though some of my videos like kids could watch and it would be fine, but I'm not really intending it for them. So. But yeah, it looks like you got some interesting stuff, especially some Inktober stuff. Yeah, yeah, the, and those t those did like, like those didn't do as well as my uh, my February videos, but um, they they seem to catch up after a few days or so, and they they did they did all right. All right, I know what Inktober is. What's February? Oh, so February was the thing that that's what helped uh blow up my channel i uh the croquis cafe on youtube they uploaded a video of a model every day for the month of february and so i would uh i would uh record myself drawing from the video and i did that for uh, february of last year there's a whole bunch of videos so, man, apparently he's doing some this year. Oh, I didn't do any this year. Oh, you didn't? Okay. No. So, you also got some, like I said, you've also got some stuff on how to do things, like the Let's Draw, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those are old. I, I did those, like, a long time ago, but I did upload some, some recent ones. It was just kind of took from my figure videos so so basically you've been doing a lot of stuff besides just writing a comic book yeah although when I when I really started focusing on the comic uh, I kind of focused less on, on YouTube uh, although there's more content I'd like to make for it but it's just uh, difficult because you know editing takes time Just out of curiosity, how long does it take to edit a YouTube video for you? Uh, that's hard to say because I, I never really time myself. It, 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 it's not so much. It's like finding the time to sit down and, and make myself do it is more difficult because I know. Uh, but at least a couple hours, I, I think. Uh, depending uh, depending on how long the video is, because then you have to sit, you have to watch and rewatch, um, you know, so many times, just to edit it down the the way you want. And the longer the video, the lot longer it's going to take to edit. Probably the more footage you have. Right. Alright, so I guess we'll start closing up. Anything else you'd like to talk about? Um, I might, well, my Kickstarter ends on March 18th. That's the deadline. Uh, you can find me on social media. If you search Perry's Hotter, you can find me on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, 
Twitter, Tumblr, uh, all that good stuff. And it may, it may be spelled slightly different. Like Twitter is P-E-A-R-Y. And then, uh, you know, some of them may have an underscore, but you, you should be able to find it. Okay. Yeah, and YouTube, for example, you're Perry Hodder, so. Yeah, and, and also, um, I'm also Perry's Hunter on uh, Webtoon and Tapas, but you can also just type in Cold Blood and find my series and follow me on there as well. Alright, any specific uh, thing you'd like to... I, I mean, obviously you wanted to uh, plug the uh, quick start, Kickstarter. Anything else you'd like to plug? Uh, no, that's it. <laughs> I'm all good. All right, and that should basically close this out. Thanks for coming on. All right, thank you. You too. Okay. Just real quick, it'll probably take me, basically one way or another, it should have this up and going by the end of the week. I'll make sure you have uh, a link for it. Okay. Plus, like you said, I should be able to give you a transcript of this as well, even though it'll be probably heavily edited. Okay. So, but that'll take care of a lot of the ums, the ahs, and a lot of this, a lot of breaks and that sort of thing. So, don't sweat it. Okay. okay. So, all right, well, again, thanks for coming on, and I'll talk to you later. All right, yeah, you too. All right, bye. Bye. For those interested in supporting this podcast, please check us out over at patreon.com slash two sparrows. We have mini casts, a few extra tips and tricks here and there, an edited version of interviews that include all the swearing as well as a little bit longer, as well as an actual episode of this podcast that has yet to be aired anywhere else. Also check us out over at YouTube where we have curated playlists where all the various podcasts have been broken down into various different types of sections such as world building, business, marketing, writing, etc., as well as additional mini casts as well as the Alexa briefs. And definitely check us out over on Facebook. This allows you not only to comment on the various videos, but also catch up on a few other things as well. 